This is the Hockey News Podcast. Welcome to the Hockey News Prospect Podcast brought to you by BetMGM. I am Ryan Kennedy. I got Stephen Ellis feeding me questions on the other side of the camera here. Very excited to be back here talking prospects with you. And uh, we're actually going to start off with some whimsy here, something that apparently we've been getting requests for, is uh, just some insights into what I'm listening to lately. And uh, generally, if you follow me, you know, I like the hardcore, I like the metal, but recently I've been going in a different direction. Went down a bit of a YouTube hole the other night, did a lot of Thundercat, who's a fantastic bass player slash artist. Uh, Really different vibe there, and that led me to some Flying Lotus, some Jay Dilla, uh, even some Odd Future, who are definitely not laid back, but fantastic rappers. Uh, So that's what I've been up to music-wise, just going in a different direction, kind of, you know, Still, still going on the, the hardcore tip, but uh, sometimes you just need a, something a little more lighter and uh, upbeat. So that's what I went for. And uh, as we always do with the Prospect Podcast, three prospects I'm watching for this year's draft, 2022. Uh, I'm going to start off with Owen Pickering from the Swift Current Broncos of the WHL. Pickering, big defenseman, skates really well. And, you know, this is a player that you see him out there. He's still kind of raw, but all the tools are there. And he can just do so much uh, for a team. To me, this is a player that definitely goes in the first round because the projection is so obvious. You know, it's like you get a guy who can kind of do it all out there and he's got NHL size. He's got a little bit of a bite to his game as well, which is nice. So uh, pretty exciting to watch him right now and see where he'll go because I think he's got quite uh, the tremendous upside. And that Swift Current team, uh, they've got some interesting players on there, a couple of different draft prospects. So uh, fun team to watch there. Next, uh, staying in the big category, uh, Kirill Dolzhenkov, left winger for Krasnia Armia uh, in Russia's junior league. Uh, This is obviously Moscow Red Army's uh, junior team. This kid is a big rig, as scouts like to say. I think he's like almost six foot seven, about 236 pounds. Pulled off the Michigan lacrosse goal uh, recently, so he's got the hands. But what I like about Dolzhenkov is he just kind of bombs around the ice. And I actually think that he'll be even better in the North American game. Like he plays physical. He's got that great reach, obviously. He moves very well. The offense is starting to pick up. Uh, He's getting more points lately, but I kind of feel like if you put him on a junior team or even an AHL team next season, he could do a lot of damage um, just because of that size and uh, the physical package he brings to the ice. For my final player for the 2022 draft, I'm going to go in the exact opposite direction. Lane Hudson, defenseman for the National Team Development Program, Team USA, uh, favorite of Stevens as well, I know. Uh, does not have a lot of size. I think he's listed at like 5'8", maybe 150 pounds, somewhere in that range. But scouts are very intrigued because he's so good on the offensive blue line. And he's been excellent for the NTDP. I know last year at the World Under-18s in Texas, he was a big eye-opener as an underager. But you know what? I mean, 
We've seen a lot of undersized defensemen come up the ranks lately and make impacts at the NHL level. So I think Hudson, you know, despite the fact that he's quite small for a defenseman, he's got the skills to make it happen. So it's going to be really fun to see what he can do in the coming years. So those are three to watch for me. Uh, we're going to get to your questions now. So Stephen, uh, hit me up with those fine listener questions. I, the, the Lane Hudson thing. It's like, oh yeah, I did write about him. I do. I'm a really big fan of him. I, small defenseman could be a lot of fun, and he was great at the U, uh, the U18s. Yeah. But it's and USHL defenseman of the week. Yeah, and his brother Quinn uh, was forward of the week. Uh, he plays for Muskegon. Oh. So I I wonder has that ever happened before? Two brothers. I wonder if they're in good. a van. No, um, <laughs> winning uh, player of the week award in the same week. I hope they're good friends and they or maybe they're just teasing each other. I don't know. But hey, that's Impossible. pretty cool. That's yeah. pretty cool. All right. First question comes from uh, Simon Dres, who asks, Slavkosi is an obvious answer, but which prospects stood out in Beijing? And it, the thing that was cool about this Olympics is we did get to see more of a prospect uh, infusion, but it's kind of like, like Slavkosi was the MVP. He was kind of the, yeah. the obvious. Yeah. I mean, just to address Slavkovsky off the, off the hop, I mean, he was the only shooter Slovakia had. Like, no one else could score on that team, even though they had Thomas Yurko. Or I, it seems like Yurcho is the actual way to pronounce it based on the commentators who were pretty well informed there. So literally, we have all been saying it wrong for like 15 years. And we found that over a lot of it. It was like Gusev yeah. is actually Gusev. It's like a lot of names that we've all kind of just said wrong. I just, I just assume I get the names wrong at this point. I try my best, and I will say it right if I'm corrected. Uh but I assume my instincts are always wrong. But yeah, Slavkovsky, obviously fantastic. And Stephen and I were actually talking before we started filming here. You know, what he does the rest of the year back uh, with TPS in Finland is going to be very interesting because, you know, he hadn't produced a lot of offense beforehand. But now the floodgates have kind of opened. So very exciting there. But your question is about other players. Um, I'm going to focus on two Americans. I know, you know, Team Canada had Owen Power and Kent Johnson. Uh, but Canada, they just, they weren't fun at all. They just really didn't deploy uh, players in a very exciting way, even though Power played quite a few minutes. Uh, but I'm going to look at Brock Faber first uh, with Team USA, Los Angeles Kings pick. University of Minnesota Golden Gophers. This is a kid that he again stood out where he's not a box score guy. He's just a guy that makes the right play all the time, specifically in the defensive end, breaks pucks out, gets things going in the right direction in terms of transition. And, you know, you keep in mind, Jake Sanderson only ended up playing one game at the Olympics for Team USA. So they had kind of a hole there. I thought Brock Faber did a very good job, not necessarily stepping up, but giving them solid minutes. And this is just part of his progression. It'll be very fun to see how quickly he can join the LA Kings once his college career is done, because I think he has such a mature game that it probably won't take that long. The other player I'm gonna mention, also Team USA, Sean Farrell, the Montreal Canadiens pick. You know, again, this is a player with not a lot of size and, you know, he's not like super fast or anything like that, but he's so smart and he's so skilled and he just gets results. And I think, you know, something we've noticed lately is you get these kind of origin stories about NHL players where, you know, their teams and the scouts that scouted them will say, yeah, you know what, he wasn't the biggest, he wasn't the fastest, but he was always around the puck and he was all, or, you know, you left the game 
and he had two points. To me, that's Sean Farrell. The kid just produces. And we've seen it. I mean, in the USHO with Chicago Steel, he just piled up numbers. And, you know, Harvard, he's off to a great start. And then obviously with the Olympics, he got, uh, you know, a good share of points as well. So this is a player that you watch him and he just gets it done. And sometimes I feel you just don't have to ask why. You just say, hey, I want that guy on my team because he's going to produce. So those are two guys in particular that I thought played very well. So Farrell got most of his points against China, five of those points. But the thing about it is, like, he he was – that line was a very good energy line, him and Ben Mayer specifically. Yeah. That, that was a good line. Um, so, well, he didn't get the offense near the end. Uh, the one thing Farrell did really well was forcing the teams to make mistakes. And uh, I, I was very impressed with what I saw from him there. So, overall, good prospect uh, for Montreal Canadiens. Mm-hmm. Alan Selavka asks – a three-part question. Uh, so I'll just ask him one at a time. Sure. Tyler Wall, does he get signed as an RFA with the Rangers? So, I mean, this is pretty interesting. Tyler Wall, obviously the New York Rangers prospect. I mean, my initial thought when I heard this question was, yeah, yeah, of course. Why wouldn't you? And then, you know what? I mean, it's interesting because the Rangers have so many goalie prospects. And you figure, you know, I mean, obviously Igor Shesterkin, he's your franchise goalie right now, and he's still quite young. Alexander Georgiev, he's the backup, and you know he is an RFA this summer, uh, but he is a pretty perfect backup because he's so low maintenance, and you know he doesn't cost you a lot, and he does have experience. He can steal a game, um, and then you look, you got Adam Huska uh, already in the minors, and then you have Tyler Wall who's already in the minors. You got Dylan Garand coming up. You got Olaf Lindbaum. Still in uh, Europe, uh, he's a, the Swedish prospect, and you know you could stash him in Europe for a couple more years if you wanted to. But you know what you want to look at with your organization is: are your goalies all getting starts? So you got two in the NHL, you got two in the AHL, and then you got the ECHL, where legitimately you would only want one actual prospect, and you want that prospect playing like all the games. Um, so I think it's legitimate to ask, you know, is there a crease for Tyler Wall in the future? And, you know, I think a lot of that depends on where the Rangers see certain players. And, you know, uh, I think the second part of this question might address this as well. Um, where do they see the organization? I would also keep in mind, you know, the Rangers could be buyers at the deadline. Do they ship out a goalie prospect in order to bring in a big NHL asset right now. So I'm going to say maybe. I, you know, When you have a goalie who has shown a lot of promise, I know his pro career has gotten off to a bit of a rocky start, but um, when you have a goalie with size and promise, I, I wouldn't want to lose him for nothing. I've, I would say that for sure. So part two is uh, asking about Adam Huska, and can he be the backup in New York next year? So I think he could be the backup, but my preference would be that he spends one more year in Hartford as the like starter starter where, you know, I think he's played 28 games right now for the Wolfpack and that's pretty good. And you figure, you know, we still got quite a bit of season to go. So you hope he gets another kind of like at least 20 starts, I would I would think. I wouldn't mind him having one more year like that because, again, you don't need him as your backup. And with Shesterkin being as good as he is, how many games is the backup for the Rangers really going to play? Is it 20, 25? You know, 
You would hope so, but maybe you're also riding Shesterkin and being like, hey, we want Shesterkin in the net 60-65 games. Obviously, usage is you know up to the coach, and you want to do what's right for the goalie themselves. But I don't necessarily want Adam Huska just sitting on the bench most of the time. I want him getting more starts. So you know maybe next year there is a way that you know Georgiev is generally the backup, but Huska gets a couple of NHL starts. Uh, maybe spends a little time as Shesterkin's backup. And and hey, you know. There's always injuries as well. You never know. But, you know, best laid plans. I would love Huska to be like the full-time guy in Hartford for one more season. And then you get into a situation where you would love him to play like 30 games a year for the Rangers. And the last question is Niels Lundqvist. Uh, moved at the trade deadline? I would say only if you're getting a huge return. And again, you know, this is a player that's just at the beginning of his pro career and you know we've sort of seen the beginnings of it and he's got some time with the rangers which is nice um you know uh, he is a, a very well regarded defenseman so you know if you're the rangers you've got a lot of talent right now you're certainly not starving for skill and talent on the back end because you got adam fox you got keandre miller you got a bunch of other guys playing various roles but I don't want to give up on that asset unless I'm getting something big, you know, a game changer. You know, I know Claude Drew has been in the news a lot uh, and he'll, you know, he'll only go to certain teams uh, if he does, in fact, waive his no trade clause with the Flyers. But, you know, if you're getting a player of that stature and part of the package ask is Lundqvist, then, yeah, you consider it. But again, I don't want to squander assets because New York's been so good at accruing them in the past several years all right uh no longer talking about the rangers anymore next question is from vif vijay um sorry if i mispronounced that uh do you see anyone in the 2022 draft maybe passing shane Wright for the first overall pick if so who do you think could do it? and we did kind of touch on this topic a few weeks ago but it's still something that's been brought up a lot yeah and i think it's fair for an update um because shane wright's been on absolute fire lately and it's funny I don't think it's a coincidence that as soon as some people on the internet were saying maybe he's not number one, that he was like, oh yeah, if you want me to score more points, I'll score more points. And you know he's had many multi, multi-point games lately. And again, the thing with Shane Wright is that he just wins for you. He just does everything right on the ice, no pun intended. And you know he projects to be a Patrice Bergeron type of center where he is 200 foot. He is the guy you want on the ice, whether you're up a goal or down a goal with a minute to play. It's really hard to find such a complete center who also can get you multiple points in a game. And I don't think it's a coincidence that Shane Wright's points tend to come at the beginning of games, not necessarily the end. That Kingston team, they're very dynamic. They've had a lot of games, especially lately, where they've won 7-2, to 5-1, that sort of thing. Shane Wright's points tend to come at the beginning of the game when it matters. Other guys are getting the points at the end of the game where it doesn't matter. So if there was somebody that would surpass Shane Wright, to me the only option would be Logan Cooley. Because he's a center, uh, you know, because he is a pretty good two-way game himself, and you know, this is a player that scouts look at and say, you know, he's still got a lot of uh, physical developing to do. And once he gets stronger, his skating could really pop. 
So there is projection there where you say, okay, well, you know, maybe we think Cooley has more offensive upside. Um, you know, he's he just actually committed to University of Minnesota. Uh, he had been a Notre Dame commit beforehand. So, you know, you're looking at a player that's probably only going to spend one, maybe two years in the NCAA, and then he'll go to the NHL. Uh, but still, Shane Wright, to me, goes right to the NHL next year. And even if he is like your third line center to begin with, he's going to give you a lot of good value. Um, I think it has to be a center at number one if there is those options. And there certainly are those options this year uh, in Shane Wright and Logan Cooley. So if a team preferred Cooley, I'm not going to say it's like the worst idea in the world. It's not something I would necessarily do because I would want Shane Wright on my team. I think he's a future captain. But that would be the option. Imagine if the Canadians get first overall and they didn't pick Shane Wright, kind of given all the like the for the fan base, especially with the draft being in Montreal. It's a, like like what if Cooley ends up becoming the better offensive player? Like now, granted, like just more points doesn't mean you're necessarily the better player, but right. like if he ends up being this huge offensive force, that also helps out with guys like like Cole Caulfield, and mm-hmm. brings out that offense there too. It's yeah, and, and like I say, I mean, Logan Cooley is a fantastic prospect. And, you know, as as way of comparison, he's I think he's scoring about 1.4 points a game this year for the NTDP. And, you know, they play a great schedule. They play a lot of college teams a, along with USHL competition. Comparatively, that's around what Trevor Zegers did. Now, granted, Trevor Zegers played on a team with Jack Hughes, and Jack Hughes averaged, I think it was 2.2 points per game. <laughs> Not bad. I think he's doing all right. Um, but just as a comparative, that's where Zegers was at the same age, was around 1.5. So, you know, Cooley's close. And, you know, th- this year's NTDP squad, pretty deep up front. Maybe not as, obviously, talented as the Jack Hughes, Cole Caulfield, Trevor Zegers, Alex Turcott group but very successful in their own right, and a lot bigger, I would also point out. All right, next question. Uh, we're going back to goalies. Kuichi asks, which team has the best goalie prospects uh, right now? And we talked about the New York Rangers. Are they your choice? I, they would be up there, um, but I'm going to go a different direction just to be a little varied, and I do believe this. I like the Nashville Predators, and one of the reasons is that they put a lot of care on that position. Last year, the 2021 draft was the first draft since 2014 where the Predators did not take a goalie. And keep in mind, for a lot of the drafts in between, when they did, they didn't even have a full slate. You know, they were making trades at the deadline, um, you know, trying to go for it, things like that. So they're only making four or five picks a year, but they still made sure to take a goaltender. So, you know, at the top of the pile, you got Yaroslav Askarov. The dream killer, as I like to call him, um, you know, like still eligible for the World Juniors. You know, we've been talking about him for so <laughs> another long. Ch- another attempt, fourth attempt. Oh my God! Yeah, he's <laughs> going to play in his fourth World Juniors, uh, maybe even a fifth. Uh, oh no, I guess he'd be too old for that one. But uh, he, gets, he gets to do one tournament twice. He gets, yeah, it's a two-parter. It's like uh, it's like he's on Netflix. They're going to split the final season of Vaskarov's uh, junior career. Um, but yeah, so you got him, fantastic. But then you also got Thomas Vomaka, uh, or Vomachka, I should say, Ethan Hader, uh, you know, Konstantin Volkov. Uh, you know, the thing I like about it too is all these players 
are like six foot three and up. Nashville goes big on their goalies. I think um, Len Klucek as well. He's like six foot three as well. So, I mean, we know the Predators, they've always known their goalies. Um, you know, whether it's Pekka Rinne or Thomas Vokun and all the great netminders they've had. Well, actually, it hasn't been that many because they have found starters who have been so excellent that they've had them for a very long time. Chris Mason was good. Dan Ellis was good. Sure. Uh, Mike Donald was good. Like, they, they've never really had a bad starting goalie. It's true. And, you know, UC Saros holding down the fort now and playing really well. He's the rare small goalie in the NHL. But I, I think Nashville, they've just set themselves up for success all the time. And I don't think that's ever going to change just based on the goalies they have in the pipeline now. Like, they're set for years. Yeah, that's a good thing. It's like for Nashville, there's always been a lot of talk. They've had trouble kind of developing star forwards. Mm-hmm. And when you look at some of the best players they've had in the franchise, like obviously Philip Forsberg's there. But yeah. you look at... That that was through trade, and you look at they had Peter Forsberg and they had uh, Paul Korea, and those guys were there for a very short period of time. And yeah. it, it's like they've they've kind of struggled to get their own big offensive talent, um, but they've always been really good at defense and always been really good at goaltending. Totally, always kind of now. There's been some shaky moments. UC Saros never. Uh, there's been some tough moments in his career. Pekka Rene obviously was not gr- that great through the end of his uh, his career, but uh, it's never been a real weakness for them. So indeed. Okay. All right, next question. Uh, this one's kind of uh, cool. Uh, which team has the most underrated development system? Yeah, I liked this question a lot. And the way I took it, and hopefully I'm taking this the right way, is development system versus just straight-up drafting. Um, I'm going to go with the Winnipeg Jets. And the reason I'm going with the Jets is that they're getting players every draft. And you know, granted... We're only going back to 2011, but they've graduated an NHL player in every draft other than 2021 because it's too early. Chaz Lucius is still in, you know, he he just got to college, um, but they've gotten players in every draft. And, you know, you look at Cole Perfetti already contributing to that Jets team. You look at Dylan Sandberg, Logan Stanley, and then you look at the high-end guys, Connor Halebuck, Kyle Connor. Mark Shifley. Now, keep in mind with Mark Shifley, you know, when they took him, it what it wasn't a reach. It was more like, oh, you know, here's a super high riser in the second half of the draft. And when the when the Jets took him early, it was like, ooh, okay, that's interesting, you know, because we didn't know where he was gonna go, or when he was gonna go in the draft. A lot of us probably didn't necessarily think that high, but when it happened, it was like, ooh, that could really pay off. Obviously, it has. Shifley has become you know, a, a great number one center for them over the years. And what I like is that you can tell they have a great scouting department because of the guys that they're finding. You know, Dylan Sandberg coming out of Hermantown in the Minnesota High School League. Nathan Smith, who was at the Olympics with Team USA, coming out of the USHL. He has been a rock for Minnesota State ever since he got to the NCAA. And I think we'll see him with Winnipeg sooner than later. So... You know, you're cashing in picks all the time. Even guys that are no longer with the, the franchise. Mason Appleton was a late rounder. Tucker Pullman was a late rounder. Like, they're drafting well, but they're also developing well and getting these kids into the NHL at the appropriate time, giving them a little tastes, and reaping the benefits. All right, this one's actually a question I like a lot from Billy Pennon. And should North American teams consider Olympics and Outer World Championship tournaments as part of youth development program in the future to provide top talents, tough games to gain experience from pro hockey? And we got to see 
Owen Power, we got to see him at the World Championships. We've seen Perfetti. In, in the past, we've seen some guys go and attempt. And the United States typically brings a younger roster for the World Championship. And yeah. um, But when you're looking at this, it's something where that's something the North American teams have never used to a huge degree. And part mm-hmm. of it is like you look at the Americans that continue to do really well at these junior tournaments and then don't do anything at the men's tournaments. So what are yeah. your thoughts? Yeah, no, I think it's a great idea. And yeah, Team USA is funny that way. For whatever reason, their NHLers just don't really want to play at the World Championship. Uh, and that was that was how it was with Canada for a long time. You know, you go back to like Ryan Smith being lionized as Captain Canada because he always took the call. Shane Doan also. <laughs> sure, yeah, Shane Doan as well. And, you know, I mean, Canada, you're still not going to get everybody's top star. But yeah, no, I like the idea of sending young players and, you know, as Stephen mentioned, Owen Power is the perfect example where he goes to the World Championship last year, starts off in a minor role, works his way up the lineup. And by the end, when they're, you know, playing Finland for the gold medal and, and winning it, um, Owen Power is one of their most important defensemen, logging big minutes. So not only did they bring him, but they made sure that he could get into a situation he was comfortable with and then thrive once he sort of found his level and, and was given the opportunity. And then Cole Perfetti, you look at you know how that uh, role at the World Championship with Canada got him great experience, set him up for the summer where he says, okay, I got to hang out with all these NHLers, pick their brains for advice. I got to see where my game was at versus where it needs to be. He made the improvements. And, you know, as we just mentioned, Cole Perfetti already making, uh, you know, a mark with the Jets, giving them minutes, getting on the score sheet. And again, still a super young player. So, you know, I think you have to find that balance uh, where you get a good mixture of youth and experience. But I think it's a fantastic idea, uh, particularly, yeah, for um, the North American programs that don't have the same midseason tournaments as Europe, where you can, you know, like Russia will send a couple of teens or they'll send, you know, or like even like Matej Michkov playing for the national team, uh, even though he's still a teenager. Like you don't get that as much over here and it can definitely have benefits. And see, one thing that was cool about seeing Finland when they won their gold was just like the how close everybody on the team was. And obviously winning the mm-hmm. gold medal, it's a special bond. But these are guys that a lot of them have been playing together for a decade. Totally. Some of these guys came out together in junior, like the veterans, the guys in their late 30s. Like these guys have been involved for sometimes 15, 20 years together. Yeah. And that's really cool. And it's almost like it'd be cool to see Can USA have a program together where they maybe play in more tournaments for the guys in Europe so that when they come together, it's not like learning for the first time. For sure. But obviously I think in an ideal situation we're not talking about having to do that for the Olympics and it's the best players on best players but yeah. it made it fun for the Olympics seeing Finland do well alright final two questions uh, David Hartford asked Nicholas Robertson is back and healthy he played well before the injury what would you consider a success for him the rest of the season okay so for me you know because the Leafs do not need uh, offense right now they're fine um, what I would like to see from Nick Robertson is you know be Point per gamer for the rest of the regular season. And he's basically that with the Marlies so far. Um, then I want to see him dominate in the playoffs. Uh, you know, like use the rest of the regular season to get your legs back, get your touch back. Um, but then when it comes to the playoffs, he should dominate at this point, you know, uh, assuming he's up to speed. What I would like to see is kind of like Andreas Janssen when the Toronto Marlies won the Calder Cup in 2018. 
Janssen just took over. And that Marlies team had some really good veterans, guys like Ben Smith and Mira Altonen played big roles. You know, Carl Grundstrom was really good for them, who he was kind of an older prospect at the time. Um, but yeah, Janssen was, you know, he was the MVP. He was the points leader. I'd like to see that from Nick Robertson. I, I want to see him, you know, and it's a little harder when you're a winger, but I want him to be the guy on the Marlies to get those opportunities to be the guy and, you know, hopefully win a couple of rounds. I'm not saying that they're necessarily going to be Calder Cup, you know, favorites because they're not even first in their division right now. But I'd like to see them make a run because that would be the best for his development right now. And, and Joshua Sang didn't really do much to like maybe really kind of warrant an immediate NHL deal. So he should yeah. be there the rest of the year. And I was in that game where he, I was at the game in the corner where he got hurt uh, doing some photos, uh, Robertson. And that was not a fun uh, scene. All right. Final question from Bryce Howard. Uh, not uh, one of the uh, Spider-Man uh, three actors. Um, or is it? Well, we don't know. Uh, with the World Junior Championship in the summer, do you think teams will bother to send their top prospects? I think there's going to be a couple of situations where we do not see the top prospects, you know, Owen Power, um, you know, Matty Beneers, probably not those guys. But, you know, I asked an NHL GM about this basically when the news dropped. And I'm like, do you want to send your guys? And he was like, yeah, like the turn, you know, you need a champion. You got to play the tournament. It could slingshot a kid into an NHL job, um, you know, get them, you know, because we're talking about August here. And then, you know, you're going to go into training camp soon thereafter. Maybe it, it gives that kid that extra little bump uh, of, not motivation, but, um, you know, that like, uh, that confidence, that extra bump of confidence. You know, they're already got their legs under them. Maybe it slingshots them into an NHL job and, you know, really helps them out in their rookie year. So I think for some players uh, and some teams, they're going to say, yeah, great opportunity for others. You know, like whoever drafts Shane Wright, I'm not sure. It's you know, it's probably going to be team specific. Do they want him there, or do they say, "Look, you've already had such a big spotlight on you all summer. You know, he's going to be at all the other different events, development camp, things like that, main training camp. Um, you know, we don't want you fatigued. It's going to be a long NHL season, so sit this one out." Let's just get you, you know, involved in our organization, show you the ropes, that sort of thing. So I think it's going to be kind of organizationally dependent, but I think we will see, I would say, a good number of the the top young stars. See, selfishly, I want to see the best players there, and a lot of yeah. fans obviously would. But there's there's the risk factor, and you look yeah. at Kirby Doc, and when you look at the New York Rangers not setting Lafreniere, and cl- definitely, I think like, a lot of people would agree he probably should have been in that tournament, getting that ice time. Hindsight for sure. But then Kirby Doc missed almost the entire NHL season because of an injury. So yeah. then there's that argument too. And totally, the grant granted it's an 82 game season, a lot less more time to heal. It's also in August. It's about a month and a half, two months to the point of the regular season starting. Mm. So there is that time. Yeah. But it's it's something where it's yeah it's really definitely dependent and I I know we're probably not going to see Owen Power there. It would have been cool to kind of see him have a shot at like winning the World Championship and the Olympics before the World Juniors. Right but in a tournament he had already started. Yeah, but because it's a brand new tournament, obviously there's all less like reason for a lot of teams to send their guys. So yeah, yeah, that's it. There you go. Well, thank you for all your questions, uh, and we will see you in the future. Thanks to Stephen Ellis. I am Ryan Kennedy, brought to you by BetNGM. See you all later.